We welcome you to our uh, service today, and uh, my name is Neil, and uh, I'm in, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Hide and Seek. Uh, the first part of the series told us the kind of the way that we as humans move away from God. Remember the story of Adam and Eve, how they uh, sinned, and then they ran away from God. Remember that? That's a pretty basic story, but that's kind of the human story, isn't it? A constant running away from God and hiding away from God. Uh, and then over the last few weeks, what we've been thinking about is how God comes after us in a sort of a seeking kind of a way. And so we thought, think about uh, the story of the prodigal son and things like that, that God comes after us, his children. And it's really amazing to see as things are put together, exactly how God works. And the one thing you always have to remember in the middle of all this is that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And just as he came after Adam and Eve in the garden, so he's going to come after us as well. Now, the title of this sermon is The God Who Sits With Us. Implied in this is the thought that God himself is with us. Now, let's stop and think about that for a minute. Last week, Pastor Mucci talked about the twofold picture of God that we see very often in the Bible. One is a picture of God far off, distant, at a distance, somewhere above and beyond us. And another picture of God close to us, walking with us along life's journey. Now, these days, it's been very, very difficult for us to think about God being with us, right? We look at the world around us. We see the devastation from COVID-19, the lives that have been lost, the disruption of the economy, and all the things that have come with it. It's been horrific. And then just two weeks ago, we all witnessed the horrific death of George Floyd in Minneapolis at the hands of a police officer. The breadth and the depth of the unrest that has come from that singular event hasn't been seen in this country probably since the late 1960s. Now, in the middle of all this, we ask ourselves very deep and troubling questions, right? In those quite quiet places of our heart, those places that few, if any others, know about, those quiet spaces, we ask ourselves, where is God? And the horrible answer is, a lot of times, we don't know. We can't seem to find him. He's far from us. We look at the distant sky and we cry out to God in hope, beyond hope, that somehow, somewhere, some way, that God is listening to us. If that may be the place where you are today, you are not alone. You are not alone. Hear the word of the Lord. You are not alone. Throughout the ages, the people of God have done the very same thing. They have cried out, uh, as in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, they say, they've said, Lord, that you would rend the heavens, that you would open the heavens up and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And they look up to God and they say, will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? The people of God have often found themselves looking up to God with this, with this uh, just wonder and questioning about what God is up to. And yet sometimes the heavens seem silent in reply. We feel like we're dialed in, but God seems far from us. What I want you to think about with me today as we think about this as the, the text that we're going to deal with in just a minute, Isaiah chapter 40, I want you to think about with me this concept of this concept of 
we really need to be honest about where we are. We cannot really escape from reality. Now, I have known folks, and maybe you know folks as well, who deal in the art of escapism. Well, they escape in all kinds of different ways, and they escape as a lifestyle. They escape, they escape reality. But escapism is not the answer that it pretends to be. Ignoring reality does not make it go away. We need to come face to face with our tough questions for God. We need to come face to face and we need to be able to speak aloud our thoughts and our feelings before God. And you know what the amazing thing is when you speak the truth about your feelings before God? God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're feeling. God understands what you're going through. God is not himself hiding. He is actually seeking after us. Now, my text from today is taken from the book of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40. Now, Pastor Mucci mentioned this text last week, and as he, as he mentioned it, it called to my mind some really powerful images, and I thought to myself that this text is a text worth suspending some more time on. And it seemed to me, it seemed to me that uh, when I read Isaiah 40 over, and I, I teach theology classes sometimes, and I've read a bunch of theology books in my life, and I tell you what, Isaiah chapter 40 has within its 31 verses more theology than the very best of, of, the, of the best 100 theology books you might ever read. Uh, theology books are kind of cold and stale and dry. They throw a lot of terms at you and, that you know, maybe not be familiar with. But the Bible, and especially Isaiah 40, really focuses in on what God is like, who God is, and how we can trust him. Our theme of our sermon is even though we feel God may be distant, God is right there with us. God is sitting with us. In the middle of COVID, yes. In the middle of racial unrest, yes. In the middle of uh, injustice, as we've seen with uh, George Floyd and, and so many other instances in our country, yes, God has not left us. God has not abandoned us. And in fact, we could say that God has called us to do a great work for him even in this place. So I call your attention to Isaiah chapter 40 this morning, or today. I call your attention to Isaiah chapter 40, and there's some really good verses to begin with. And I want to focus on three of them kind of in the middle of the chapter. But I'll start reading at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now I want you to pay particular attention to the next three verses. Go up to a high mountain, Isaiah 40 verse 9. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. 
Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. When you study this passage over, Isaiah chapter 40, you understand that it, uh, it, it starts a whole new section in the book of Isaiah, and the people of God are dealing with some very rough issues. You have to go down to the end of the chapter to kind of figure out what the issues particularly are. And it's, a, it's in verse 27, a, f- a few verses down, in Isaiah 40, verse 27. The issue is this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and, and speak, O Israel, why, people of God, do you say this? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. The complaint of God's people is, God isn't paying attention to us. God is not honoring our rights. Our way is hidden from God. All this stuff is happening in my life, or in the life of my community, or in the life of my world, and God is... We're hidden from God. That's the complaint of God's people. And today we think about uh, what's going on in our world. We may offer the same sentiment. Do you know, oh Lord, what's going on? <laughs> Lord, do you, do you keep track on cable news, right? Do you have an internet? Do you, do you know what's going on, right? And we ask God those questions because it doesn't seem often like Justice is rolling down from the mountains. It doesn't seem very often that there's dramatic answers to prayer. And so God's people of all generations have asked themselves these questions. And now for the tough part, are we willing to hear God's answer? That's the tough one. We have a lot of questions. God honors our questions. God is, God is the God who says to us, there's no such thing as a dumb question. God wants to hear our complaints. God wants to hear the depth of our heart. God wants that, us to, to come out with it. But we have to be willing to hear what God's answer is in response. No, God is not like the professor who doesn't answer the question, right? God is not like the person you go to and you ask them a tough question and they just kind of run and they don't answer the question for you. God is the God who sits with us and answers our tough questions. Now, the answer may not be exactly what we're hoping for. The answer may not come with a timetable. Aha, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. That may, not, that may not be the occasion at all. But God's answer to us is always designed to get us to come to greater faith than where we are. The God who sits with us is the God who wants to build our faith in us. This is the God who wants to make us stronger in our walk with God. He wants to make us more durable. He wants to make us follow Him more closely and listen to Him more carefully. And so we go back to the answer that was provided back in Isaiah 40, verses 9 through 10, where The prophet says, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of what? Good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of what? Good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. 
Now, for those, you can take notes at home and you underline your Bibles or you make notes, uh, you make notes separately in your Bible. What I really want you to see is in verse 9 that the good news that comes to God's people who are waiting for an answer from God for their questions and their issues and their, their struggles, the answer is found in this very simple word, Behold. Behold your God, verse 9. Verse 10, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. And then a third time in, in verse 10, Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Behold. God asks his people, the people with questions and the people with doubts and the people with fears, the people with anguish, God answer, God's asks them this question or tells them to do this thing. Open our eyes. Behold is simply to look. To behold is to take it in. To behold is to open our eyes and to see what God is up to and what God is doing. And all of a sudden, this becomes a very, very, very spiritual issue. Because our physical eyes know exactly what our physical eyes see. We, we see distress, and we see pain, and we see anguish, and we see injustice, and we see racism, and we see all of this horrible stuff going on in our world. God says, open your eyes and look at me. Now, this is not a denial of reality. This is not escapism 101, because escapism is wrong. Our God is the God who deals with us in our reality. You don't have to pretend to, uh, to be a certain way to be with God. You don't have to act and, and talk a certain lingo to be with God. God knows you inside and out, and God still loves us, which is an amazing thought, just to dwell on that for a moment. And so now, what Isaiah is telling us as the readers of his text, as people who are living now, almost like, like 2,700 years after he wrote these words, he is telling us to open our spiritual eyes. Because when you open your spiritual eyes, you see this very twofold picture of God. Notice in verse 10, the picture of God as the strong, mighty God. Behold, the Lord God comes with what? With might. His arm, it rules for him. The God who is strong, the God who is king, the God who is sovereign, the God who powerfully knocks over his enemies just with a very word. This God, this powerful God, see this God. See him in his strength. See him in his power. This God is the God whom we worship. This is the God who loves us. This is the God who has provided salvation for us. And sometimes our view of God is very limited and very small. And oftentimes we don't think of God as, as a king and as powerful. And this verse invites us to take it all in. And if you're circling words or underlining words, Isaiah 40.10, he comes with might and his arm rules for him. His arm is a picture of his strength. Picture of, picture of, of how very strong he is to those who trust in him. Now, that's not exactly where we want to spend our time. Because I want you to call your attention, verse 11. Isaiah 40, 11 continues the picture 
But instead of a God, sometimes we think of God so big and so powerful and so mighty, he's the God you can never get an appointment with, right? He's the God who is too busy with the kings of the world and the, the big troubles of the world and all the issues going on in the world that, you know, our little lives and our little circumstances don't mean very much to him. And, you know, you take a number and maybe he'll call you back in a few months, right? So a lot of us have that view of God being very distant and far away. But the theme of this sermon and the whole idea of the hide and seek series at this point is that the God whom we worship, not only is the strong, powerful, mighty God who, you know, knocks armies over with the word. Listen to verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, close to him, and gently lead those that are with young. There's at least four verbs there in that sentence that describe what God is going to do. And I want you, to, what Isaiah is inviting us to do, and what I'm inviting us to do today, based on Isaiah's words to us, is to behold our God. To see that God is close to us in our time of questioning. And it's super interesting to me when I read verse 11, that Isaiah builds on what he said in verse 10. In verse 10, it said his arm rules for him. Notice what it says in verse 11. He will gather the lambs in his arms. That's the same word. It's the same thought. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those that are with young. So the picture of God as the good shepherd, as our shepherd, is an image of God being close to us and God taking care of us in the middle of our crisis, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our anguish, the middle of our crying out. So I want us to think about that for a moment. In verse 11, this first thing he says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. That is the... the idea that God will provide for us. How often do we look at the end of the day and we think to ourselves, you know, do we have enough strength for the rest of this day? Do we have enough strength for the rest of the week? How is God going to, how is God going to help us here, we think sometimes? The text of this passage says that God will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will take care of us. The Lord is the good shepherd. The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, right? Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, right? He restores my soul. All of those things. God is the God of provision. He is the God of physical provision, and even more important than that, he is the God of spiritual provision. God is the one who will give us what we need. Oftentimes, we count on people to give us what we need. 
And God uses people, obviously, to help us and, and so forth along life's journey. And, and we all help each other because that's what we're called to do as Christian brothers and sisters. But it's absolutely wrong for me to put on any one person, even you know my wife or my kids, to put on, on uh, you know th- these people all of my needs. You have to meet all of my needs. And it's wrong. Why? Because they have needs too and they need to be met. And, and our, our relationship with the, each other is not that you meet my needs and I meet your needs and that's how we're going to get along in life. I know some people approach life that way, but what the Bible tells us is that God is the one who meets our needs. And God is really the only one who can meet us at our deepest needs, because in our deepest needs, God's resources are unending. God's resources are not, there's never an end to it. God will never let us down. God will, God will never fail us. God will never forsake us. God will never say, you know, I've had enough of you. You're, I'm done with you. God doesn't operate like that. God says, I will tend my flock like a shepherd. Oh, dear child of God, embrace God's provision for you. Maybe you're trying to get along by yourself and you figured that you could do it pretty well on your own. But the Bible says is that God is here for you and that God cares. For, God is right next, next door to you. He's right right beside you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to tend to you. But you need to open up your heart. You need to open up your eyes. You need to see what God is up to because God cares for you more than you ever possibly can imagine. The second point is found in this verse as well. Uh, He gathers the lambs in his arms. Those big strong arms in verse 10, that arm that rules, right? Now, you see God gently picking up the little lamb, maybe the lamb who got stuck in the thorns and maybe has some cuts and he's bleeding and he's bruised and he's hurt. And God picks up that gentle lamb gently. He's not rough with him. He's caring and compassionate. This is God protecting us us, protecting us from ourselves and our mistakes and our sin, protecting us from the result of our sin, protecting us from our going astray as sheep often do, wandering their own way. God lovingly protects us. God, as a shepherd, he's concerned about the enemy uh, around us. He's concerned about the ditches we might fall in. He's concerned, he's concerned about the wolf, the wolves and the wolf back just on the side of us. God wants to protect us and he, so he scoops us up in his arms and he gently cares for us. The powerful God of the universe who created the world, the powerful God of the universe who, who makes seas to split open, right? Red Sea, right? The, the powerful God of the universe who, who has, has not just made the, our earth, but he's made all of the universes and the galaxies, all of that. This God personally wants to protect you. Personally wants to care for you. He's right there beside you right now. He is. May your prayer request be today that if that's not something you feel, if that's not something that you have in your heart right now, you feel like God is close to you, to ask God to open your spiritual eyes. Because it could very well be that God's been trying to get your attention for a while. It could very well be that God's been trying to warn you about something, that God's been trying, you know, trying intervening here and there, and you have ignored him, just like the sheep who kind of wanders off and does their own thing. God is right beside you. 
He loves you more than you possibly can know. And he wants to protect you. He wants to protect you physically. But more important than that, he wants to protect you spiritually. Because the worst thing in the world, I think, is when a believer loses their way. And they lose their focus on God. And they decide that, you know, life without God is just as good as life with God. And they kind of journey on into this kind of barren wilderness of existence. And they live from experience to experience. And, you know, there's a good day and a rotten day. And, and they just kind of do their own thing for the rest of their life. And, and you know, th- th- I don't know if there's anything more dreadful than that. The God who loves you is right beside you right now. And he wants, he wants you to know that he is going to protect you. And he is going to ke- keep you. And the only thing he asks from us is that we put our faith and our trust in him. Not just at the point of salvation sometime in your past. But every day. Every day, commit your day to God. Every tough experience, commit it to God. Be aware of the dangers that are out there and be and know, know, know this that God wants to protect you. So, God will provide for us, God will protect us. And the last thing this verse says is that God being close to us is that God will gently lead us. I like this one very much because there's some days when I'm not sure what's going on in the world. And I'm not sure exactly what to do. I think, I think this situation with, with George Floyd has just exposed so much of uh, uh, anxieties and just kind of feelings about well, what's wrong with the world. And I, if, if I had a dollar for everybody who said, I don't know what to do at this point, I mean, I can, I can say that would be of quite a few dollars because there's so many people who say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to, how to do it. I know there's something terribly wrong in this world, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to do about it. And here this verse tells us that the God who is close with us, the God who walks with us, is the God who will lead us. He'll lead us. Part of the role of the shepherd is leading. It's prodding. It's stirring along. The sheep will wander off in a crazy way. But God says, I will lead you. I am the shepherd who loves you. So think about this for a minute. Think about what it means for God to lead us now. I think there are many within the church who maybe after long periods of, of silence or parts of the church, that after long periods of silence and neglect, are finally coming to grips with some basic facts that God is a God of justice. That God has created, as, as Pastor Mucci pa- uh, uh, spoke of last week, God has created all of us in his own image And that we bear something about us that by definition, no matter what our our race or ethnicity or anything particular about us, tall or short, any physical description, what language we speak, anything, that God has stamped us with his image. And by right, by that very right, we have dignity. And the second we don't treat people with dignity, the second our society doesn't treat people with dignity, then the the laws of justice come into play. Because God has his eye and his heart on those who are oppressed. 
for those who are being crushed by society, by those without a voice, by those who do not walk in the aisles and corridors of power in Washington or Tallahassee or wherever power is aggregated. God cares for those whom no one else cares for because God is a God of justice. All you have to do is read Isaiah over, and I know it's a lengthy book, and we certainly don't have time to read it today over again, but you do. I know you do. In your spare time, you can read the book of Isaiah and just get a pencil out and underline every time the word justice occurs. It occurs over and over again. When God was evaluating Israel, he didn't say to them, you're not, as, as Pastor Mucci pointed out last week, he didn't say to them, oh, Israel, you haven't had enough church services he didn't say to them, you haven't offered enough sacrifices. He didn't say to them, you haven't offered enough prayer. He didn't say to them that. He said this, you have oppressed the widow. You have robbed from the poor. You have taken away from orphans. The measurement of justice in Isaiah, and really, if you really look closely, throughout the whole of the Bible, is how you treat one another. You can say you love God all day long, but if you don't love anybody around you, and if you don't love the people around you, even especially the ones who may be different from you, then we're just doing empty words. We're just pretending. And so God at this moment, in his gentle way, is leading us towards justice. And so who are we reading from today? We're reading from Isaiah. Isaiah is the one who calls us to justice, not just vertically in our relationship with God, but horizontally, especially horizontally, how we're treating other people. And it seems to me as we think about this, as we, as we kind of ponder how God is leading us, and we kind of think that God is close to us, okay, I get it, God cares for me, he's going to take care of me, he's going to provide for me, he's going to protect me, and now we just need to take some steps ahead, right? And so how's that going to happen? That's going to happen as we actually hear from God in his word. I mean, I don't even have to turn the page in my Bible. All I have to do is kind of jump from, uh, from one side of the page to the next page, and it says this, when the poor and needy seek water, in Isaiah 41, 17, when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys, and I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive, and I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together that they may see and know and may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. What a reaction to God giving water to the poor and the needy without. God is going to open the springs of heaven. And so God is pushing us in this direction to do something for him, for the cause of justice here on this earth. And I know some people push back and they say, ah, oh, we can't solve things. We can't. And the answer is God hasn't called us to solve. God has called us to obey him. And when we're on the side of justice... We're on God's side. 
And it seems to me that this God, this God, this loving God who is near us, he wants us to make the absolute very most of our life. And it would be a horrible mistake to buy the lie of, of our current culture, which says the most we can do is make a lot of money and be famous, to have a lot of followers on our social media and have a lot of recognition in this world. That may be nice for a moment, but the best thing for us in our lifetime and what God has called us to do is to make a difference where we are. The God who is close to us enables us to do so. That's our calling today, to open our eyes to see God's provision, to see God's protection, and to see God's guiding. I invite you to think about Isaiah some more today, sometime during this week, to pray over some of these passages with justice in them, or maybe just to rethink about what it means that God in our pain is very, very close to us. In any case, may God bless our reading and studying of his word today. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word and its promises and its provision. We thank you that you love us and even in the messed up world that we live in, we thank you that the ultimate ground of hope is not found in any human being, but is found in you. Our prayer today is that you would draw us closer to you so that we may experience you as our good shepherd, the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.